the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Good morning. I've been um, away far too long. Um, actually, uh, uh, I, I made a little error in one of my exclamations in the liturgy there. Uh, and I, I started to do it the Greek way, and I ended up stumbling in kind of a hybrid uh, OCA, Greek, Antiochian, got lost a little bit there, and was uh, uh, definitely to the amusement of my brothers at the altar. Um, so um, uh, forgive me, but it is awfully good to be back home uh, to see you all. I, to see, to see you all, what a thing. Um, I cannot hear uh, ever one of the Gospels that are blind man Gospels without, of course, thinking of my father. Uh, for those of you who didn't know my father, he had about 80 years of sight, uh, during which he saw combat in World War II, combat in Korea, um, uh, uh, came back from World War II long enough to have his first son, came back from World from Korea long enough to have his second son, um, uh, saw many, many things in this life, and then uh, in his eight early 80s, he completely lost his sight. And he went on and had uh, uh, 17 more years in, in complete blindness. And I never will forget uh, the day that he first heard that he was losing his sight, that he would be blind literally within weeks, and um, we kind of had some clue watching him drive for the last year. Uh, he actually began to use the Braille method of driving. Um, and uh, uh, it, was, it was a joy <laughs> to watch. Uh, definitely the protection of, of the Archangel Michael as we drove with him sometimes. But um, he, he, looked, he looked off as if he was kind of scanning the horizon when he was told he was going to be blind took a deep breath and he went, well, I, I'm going to make an adventure out of this. And I never will forget that. <laughs> you know, in, in, in adversity, do we ever approach uh, with that kind of, of almost joy of discovery? You only get that when you have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you came here to this place for anything less than that, then I believe you're in the wrong house, because uh, this is the house to which Jesus has come, and he has that kind of healing grace here. We each know in the deep places of our hearts um, that we need that grace. We know that we have um, infirmities. Um, I, I don't uh, often quote John Lennon, uh, matter of fact, I don't think I ever have, come to think of it. But um, he has a song in which he said, one thing you can't hide is when you're crippled inside. And um, we may hide being crippled inside, being blind inside, um, uh, to a certain extent, but sooner or later it does show out into the world around us. Um, and, and if nothing else, we know our infirmities within us. And so when we come into the presence of the Lord, we know our infirmities. 
Uh, I am, of course, reminded of my infirmities every morning when I wake up and attempt to get out of bed. Um, uh, the very movement is infirm. Now, it doesn't always stay that way, thank God. Um, uh, WD-40 is wonderful uh, if, if it can be applied directly to the joints. Um, uh, we, we have these infirmities that we kind of work through, and we have others that really kind of persist with it. We need the great grace of our Savior. So in our weakness, um, we cry, we cry out to him. Uh, if we are wise, we cry out to him first thing in the morning as we roll out of bed, uh, visit and heal our infirmities. Uh, and and, and it, it, I have found myself that it kind of helps when those joints scream at me in the morning. When that infirmity is very painfully there, visit and heal our infirmities. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Uh, somehow or another, and th this doesn't seem like a very pleasant lesson, but somehow or another, those infirmities, those pains, draw us to say, Lord, have mercy. Visit and heal our infirmities. To cry like all of creation, as the Apostle Paul said, to groan, awaiting deliverance. Lord, have mercy. Visit and heal our infirmities. Now, these blind men could see that. They could see. Uh, I have often said that my blind father could see much more than I could. Um, th there, were, there were times when uh, I would ask him a question about something in the distant past, and it would be as if he was scanning the horizon of the ocean. He, he would look. I, the day I asked him, not long before he died, Dad, I know your ship was at Pearl Harbor. Uh, did, you, um, uh, did you lose any friends that day? His ship had shot down a plane and was not sunk itself. It, it made it through. But I knew that he had, fr had friends on the Arizona and some of the ships that did sink. He scanned the horizon, you know, in his, in his depth and named, quick as he could, 12 or 15 name, rank, where they came from, what ship they were on, just as if he was reading a roll. That's not blind, that's not a blind man talking, that's a man who has insight, who has memory, who has great depth. So the Lord sometimes gives us alternative depth. Um, from that inner glimmer of faith that these blind men had um, by the side of the road, they had been prepared in their darkness to see the light. So when the Lord came to them, uh, St. John Chrysostom says of, of this passage, he says they were, they were given light in their hearts to see that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of David. And from that inner sight, from that glimmer of faith, came the restoration of their outer sight. From the glimmer of the sight that they had in their heart came the restoration of their outer sight. And Chrysostom goes on to say, the Lord showed them that faith should not be expected as a result from health, 
but help should be expected from faith. The blind men saw because they believed. They did not believe because they saw. And what a glorious belief that is, a belief that is in darkness, a belief that is in pain, a belief that has adversity of one kind or another, and from that we believe, from that we dig deep. I'm not always there, I don't know about you all. There are times where my adversity, my pain, does not drive me deep, it drives me shallow. It does not drive me to sight, it drives me to blindness. It drives me sometimes even to rage, sometimes to anger, to a lack of faith. We're not always there, I'm not always there. But that is where the Lord would have us to be, because that's where the healing is. I don't know about you, but um, there's, there's one passage in this gospel that I, that I always kind of got stuck on. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of several passages that I found in Scripture where I find myself saying, Lord, what are you talking about? Now, I, I must confess I do that often because I don't see it. And it's that passage where the Lord says after he healed them, don't tell anybody about this. And I'm sitting there going, what do you mean, don't tell anybody about this? I just was blind, and now I see. I see light. I don't even just see men as trees walking. I see light. I see clearly. Now, if, if that was me, I'd go, yeah, right, and go running out and telling everybody I saw. Um, uh, uh, do we run out and tell everybody we see about what we've been given here? We certainly ought to, I would think. So th there's obviously something there that I was missing. And of course, um, uh, St. John Chrysostom makes it very clear. He says here, the Lord was instructing them not to say anything about themselves, but to give proper glory and thanks to God. So he was saying, uh, uh, don't go out there and find something in this to, to crow about yourself. Go out there and give the glory to God. So they weren't really disobeying God when they did go out and do exactly that thing that it seems like the Lord told them not to do. Don't tell anybody about this. When they went out and, and uh, gave glory to God, they were doing exactly what God told them to do. We can't even praise God without his help. We can't see him. We can't pray, open our lips to praise him without his help, without his healing. And the man later on, the man mute and demon-possessed, couldn't even praise. He couldn't even ask for mercy. He couldn't ask for the mercy of healing because whatever it was that bound him up stopped his lips from anything of praise, stopped his lips from asking for mercy. But there's a wonderful encouragement even in this, this one that was so afflicted that he couldn't even ask for what it was that he needed. A wonderful encouragement in this, in that it says that he was brought to the Lord. He was brought to the Lord by those who love him. And the Lord looked upon their faith. It does not say he looked upon 
the possessed man's faith, it says he looked upon their faith. That mother, that father, that sister, that brother, that neighbor that had carried him there and said, Oh, Lord, have mercy on my brother, for he cannot, he cannot heal himself. So have a courage when in the night you pray for that one who is in the grip of something and does not seem to be able to be delivered. Have an encouragement because your prayers may carry him to Jesus. The devil was first cast out, and then, and again from um, another of the fathers, uh, St. Hilary. He says that this man is a picture of us all. In the deaf and dumb demoniac, there appears the need of the Gentiles for a complete healing. They were beleaguered on all sides by mis misfortune. Sounds like most of us. They are associated with all types of the body's infirmities. Sounds like us. And in this, the proper order of things is observed. For the devil is first cast out, and then the other bodily benefits follow suit. Sight, hearing, words. This is the order of the kingdom of God. The devil is first cast out. Death is first trampled upon, as we say at, at, at Holy Pascha, trampling down death by death. Then he heals us, and then we praise him. That's the pattern. He heals us, then we praise him. It's like that old Protestant hymn, which is really true in so far as it goes, and I love it still to this day. Hear him, ye deaf, his praise, ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold your Savior come, and leap ye lame for joy. Sounds pretty orthodox, come to think of it. If it isn't, it ought to be. This is the Savior who became incarnate for each one of us because he loves each one of us and he knows us by name. He knows not just our infirmities, but he knows our possibilities. He knows our gifts. He knows the job that he has set before us and he will get us there one way or the other. This is the Savior whose kingdom, and I'm going to flip this around a little bit, this is the Savior to whose kingdom we have come. We came to his kingdom today. We are here in a very real sense to partake of his life and in our partaking to have our infirmity transformed. When we say, let us draw near to him, and we don't always see him when we draw near, sometimes we're kind of like a blind man walking down the aisle with our, our red-tipped cane, trying to find our way to him. We have come from the darkness out there, and we are walking from there toward where he is. It says that the two blind men came to the house where Jesus was. You are in the house where Jesus is. Think about that for a moment. You have come this morning to the house where Jesus is. This is the place where blind men can see, where deaf can hear, where lame can leap for joy. 
This is the house where he is that you have come to. In a mystery, we have come to be where he is. And as we go further up and further in, when it is called in fear of God with faith and love draw near, we are not just in a play acting out. We are drawing near from where we were out there to this house where he is and moving closer up to where he is. Once again, I love C.S. Lewis, further up and further in. As we move further up and further in, that fog, like the one we have off of uh, Isla Vista at this time of year until middle of the day, that fog begins to part as we move closer to him. As we draw nearer to him, we begin to see with the sight that he has given us. And at first we see dimly as through a dark glass. Then we begin to see, sometimes in sweet moments, with a vision of a hawk or an eagle. Sometimes there are moments where that fog that is over our eyes in this place where that fog parts just a little bit and you get a glimpse. There are children who have seen angels. And we may see the Lord in this place if we let the fog that is on our eyes begin to part. And as the fog begins to part, as we begin to see, there is a transformation that begins to happen. And our cry for mercy are desperate, are fearful, are confused, cry for mercy. That which is welled up in our hearts, it is transformed as if right in our lips, it is transformed into a shout of thanksgiving. It is no longer an agonized cry for mercy. It is transformed in our mouth into a shout of thanksgiving, and it becomes a sweet song on our lips. As you have come in here today with needs, may those needs be met, for the one who meets needs is here today, and he can transform your need for mercy into a shout of praise. We have both seen and heard. We dare not keep silence anymore. We dare not, dare not, dare not keep silent about what we have received in this place. It is time that we go forth with it when we are done here and that we not keep silent, that we praise God, not ourselves for what we have accomplished here in this place, but praise him for what he has accomplished in us, for what we are about to see, for what we are about to receive, May we truly give thanks, and may it be to the glory of God the Father.